Welcome to the Q for Two, your podcast companion for learning all about your favorite theme park attractions. Whether listening at home or while waiting in the queue, we'll fill you in on all the information you need to get the most out of your ride experience. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me as always is the super duper Matthew. Today, we're talking about the history and hidden secrets behind Justice League Battle for Metropolis at Six Flags over Georgia. Super duper excited to talk to you about Battle for Metropolis. It's interesting, you know, as we're doing a season on Six Flags, it's obviously very roller coaster heavy, but we're going to have a different ride experience to talk about today. Oh, yeah. And I'm excited to hear everyone's takes in the comments, because, again, if we're comparing this to Disney, this is not as good. It's a fun ride. It does not rank up there compared to a Buzz Lightyear, a Toy Story Mania, those sort of rides. But I'm excited to learn more about the ride today. And it definitely offers an extra experience at Six Flags that I think is a fun draw. And I'm sure we'll kind of get into this a little bit more in the episode. But Matthew, that season that we had season passes together was actually opening season for this ride at Six Flags Over Georgia. And so I remember when we were going, there was kind of a bit of fun fanfare about the theming around the attraction and the theming in the area. So we kind of got that new ride experience when we were going in 2017. Yeah, and I love that movie. So I'm excited to talk about today. Open season. I don't know if you caught that. I was referencing open season, the movie open season that you just (laughs) mentioned. Whatever you say, booger. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, all right, go ahead. Let's get started. Before we go deeper down that rabbit hole, let's jump in to some of the history behind this attraction. To start things off, I want to talk about some of the different companies that were at play collaborating to make this attraction. This was a team effort between a couple of different companies that pitched in. The ride itself was manufactured by Sally Corporation, which was in charge of the creative design and the animatronics development in the ride. Of note, this corporation has done a lot of different attractions around the United States. A couple that I know we're familiar with here at Q42, the E.T. Adventure Ride at Universal Studios in Florida and Hollywood is one of the attractions that this corporation had involvement in. And just as one that I kind of wanted to throw in here, Matthew, I don't know that you've ever had an experience with this ride. I haven't, but I thought it was kind of fun. We are from the state of Alabama, and they actually worked on a ride in the state of Alabama down near Mobile in Baldwin County, the Mystic Manor at Tropic Falls at Owa, O-W-A, which I haven't gotten down there to ride this ride. Is that one that you're familiar with at all? No, I can't say that I am. I actually have never been to Universal either. So both of those rides, I know I've heard of E.T., down at Universal. But yeah, both of those rides are outside of my wheelhouse. I did just want to give that shout out since we're both from Sweet Home, Alabama, but maybe we'll make it down to the Mobile area to check out the Mystic Mansion. Other companies that had a role here, Pure Imagination oversaw the production and graphics of the film components around this attraction. The vehicles themselves were designed by Oceaneering, which that company has also built the ride vehicles for Transformers, the ride 3D, and the Spider-Man ride at the Universal Studios theme parks. 
And then kind of our last player that's in the mix here is a company called Alterface that designed some of the gaming elements behind this ride. And yes, listener, if you have not ridden this ride before, this is a gaming attraction. So buckle in, gamers. This episode is for you. <laughs> was that uh, was that cringy enough? Did I hit that stamp for our podcast? You you hit it right on the head. That's exactly the level that we want to be at for this ride. So as you kind of alluded to earlier with comparing this ride to some attractions at Disney, this is a shooter-based attraction that while you are on the ride, you're given a laser shooter apparatus that you are firing at different interactive components throughout the ride on screens and on projections. And so all of those gaming elements were contributed by the company Alterface. Now that we've talked about some of the companies, I want to kind of throw it back to the origins of this ride, which actually started with another collaboration between Alterface and the Sally Corporation. They had originally worked on another Justice League dark ride, specifically the attraction Justice League Alien Invasion 3D, which opened at Warner Brothers Movie World in Australia in September of 2012. Now, when they made this attraction, Sally Corporation had expressed interest in expanding the concept to other parks in the United States, for which we know Six Flags owns the DC Comics licensing rights here in the States, and so they looked to partner to spread this around the U.S. Now, when they were working on making changes to adapt it to the United States audience, Some major differences included a motion-based ride system by Oceaneering International that we had discussed earlier with vehicles that can spin a full 360 degrees, as well as changes to the narrative of the ride involving villains Lex Luthor and the Joker. Now, they replaced the villain that was the key villain in the attraction Justice League Alien Invasion 3D. Matthew, I know that you are a DC Universe fan. Let me just ask you right out the gate. Are you familiar with Alien Invasion 3D? I'm not. As a DC Universe fan, if I say the main villain of Alien Invasion 3D, any characters popping to mind that you think might have starred in this other attraction? So the first one that pops in my mind would be a Martian Manhunter but obviously not a villain, but I feel like you can't do an Alien Invasion Justice League ride without including one of my favorite Justice League members. As for villain, I feel like a bad fan. I can't think of anything. No, I I genuinely can't think of anything off the top of my head. I apologize. It's one of those nights, I guess. Well, I'll tell you what, Matthew, I was being a little bit unfair because the DC Comics universe is quite expansive and includes a number of characters, What if I were to tell you that this character actually got a resurgence in pop culture with a starring role in the 2021 film, The Suicide Squad? Are we talking about Starry? My friend, we are talking about Starro the Conqueror. Oh, man. (laughs) Starro the Conqueror. Everyone's favorite killer starfish. Well, it cracks me up because I don't know as much about the DC Comics universe. I've enjoyed the DC Comics. Well, all right, let's back that. Enjoy is a is a tough is a tough phrase, but I think we're on the same page. Let me back off my enthusiasm. I have 
watched the DC <laughs> Comics cinematic universe as they have been bringing out these movies. And I had never heard of Starro before the 2021 film. But sure enough, he is he it Starro is the lead <laughs> villain in the 2012 attraction. And so as you're going through the ride, the targets that you're shooting at are actually the little Starros on people's faces that are controlling them. And so they redid that with new villains, Lex Luthor and the Joker, which are a bit more popular in the U.S. for the attraction that we now know as Justice League Battle for Metropolis. It also makes you wonder if there was any sort of, you know, PETA involvement or that sort of thing when you're shooting starfish, even though they are aliens. It makes you wonder if there's any kind of involvement of that where it's easier to shoot people than it is animals. I will say I did not come across any press with PETA opposing and driving this decision, but I'm not going to crush that narrative. We don't know that that's not a fact, so who knows? Come on, PETA, let us shoot starfish. Get over yourself. As Sally Corporation was working to bring this ride to reality, Lead creative designer Rich Hill was the chief creative officer at Sally Dark Rides or Sally Corporation, and he was heading up this project. And I just wanted to mention his name here and make sure that we attribute him to the ride because he has a page on the Sally Corporation website, and he actually lists Justice League Battle for Metropolis as his favorite project among all of his work done for Disney, Universal, and Cedar Fair. So this is his baby. Want to give him that credit. No, that's really cool. And I'm, I'm not trying to give this ride a hard time. Again, I do enjoy the ride. And we'll get into the actual ride here in a little bit for sure. But if you're a fan of DC, I can imagine working on this would be almost like a dream come true. Because he's actually getting to tell a story that is theirs, you know. So that's a really cool thing that if if I designed this ride, I can understand that, yeah, this would be one of my pride and joys for sure. Absolutely. Especially if you're a DC fan, to be able to, like you said, create your own story, create your own interactive experience in that world with some of the most iconic characters from that comic book universe. It's a neat opportunity and a neat thing to be involved with. Now, the ride, as I mentioned earlier, opened in 2017, specifically May 26th, 2017, to the general public at Six Flags Over Georgia. The ride has nine ride vehicles in total, each sitting six people. Now, it is important to mention, while this is the date that Justice League Battle for Metropolis opened at Six Flags Over Georgia, There are other versions of this attraction in the United States, some of which opened before and some of which opened after. Matthew, there are a whopping six additional versions of this attraction across other Six Flags theme parks. To cover them briefly in chronologic order of opening, they include the attractions open at Six Flags Over Texas in May of 2015, Six Flags St. Louis in June of 2015, Six Flags Mexico in March of 2016, Six Flags Great America in May of 2016, Six Flags Great Adventure in June 2017, and last but certainly not least, Six Flags Magic Mountain, opening July 2017. 
And I say last, but certainly not least, for Six Flags Magic Mountain, because there is also a special change at Six Flags Magic Mountain that is not present in any other versions of the attraction. In that version of Justice League Battle for Metropolis, they actually include the character of Harley Quinn, who is working with the Joker and actually provides a whole different alternate ending to the ride. And I thought it was pretty cool. I looked up a ride video of this because I was curious of what the alternate ending was. It doesn't change the story significantly, but there actually is an animatronic of Harley Quinn at the end of that ride. Oh, wow. Which I thought was kind of cool. And she sprays you with some of that laughing gas that the Joker is doling out. That's actually really cool. And I think there are sort of two points with this ride being at all the different Six Flags parks. One, again, we talked about it. When you have the IP, use the IP. And so they've got the Justice League, use the Justice League. Use your DC for it. Number two, it gives you a better experience that's not just a theme park, not just a roller coaster. It's a different experience that you wouldn't just see at any old park. And all it takes is a warehouse. It's all just in this big building. You're not taking acres and acres of land. It's just this big warehouse. Slap it in there and you can work on it. And whether it's day or night, rain or shine, you can build this ride and put it in place. So I feel like all those combinations, yeah, copy and paste from one part to the next. Whether you make changes or not, that makes sense. I mean... Obviously, this is going to have a big impact on visitors that are fans of the DC Universe getting to interact with the Justice League in this interactive attraction. But obviously, I mean, from the Six Flags business perspective, this is just a smart decision. You see merchandising for the Justice League and the DC Comics universe all across the park. It makes sense to have this as one of your flagship attractions, like you said, using that intellectual property both to your advantage as a business and also to the advantage of your park guests. Well, Matthew, now that we've talked some about the history of this attraction, I do want to get into our official ride description for Justice League Battle for Metropolis. Are you ready to aid the Justice League? I don't have my flash shirt on for once, but I'm ready. Justice League Battle for Metropolis is a cutting-edge, fully immersive thrill ride experience which places you right in the middle of the action. As you explore the interactive Hall of Justice, you'll be given a working stun gun to help you battle Lex Luthor and the Joker. They've hacked into Batman's computer and kidnapped the world's favorite superheroes, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, and Green Lantern. Now, you must bust into LexCorp to rescue them. You will board motion-based vehicles for a wild journey through the Metropolis streets, where you'll meet up with life-size animatronics. Everywhere you look, state-of-the-art imagery will draw you deeper into the adventure. Your unique transporter will take you piloting through the environment. Can you thwart the Joker's evil plan to infect the city with laughing gas? Only if you're brave enough to join the Justice League Reserve Team. Man, that's a good description. That's a long description. It is a long description, but I feel like there is a lot of story in this attraction. Oh, yeah. And they kind of want to set the stage with their description of what you're involved in. Yeah, it makes sense. 
Again, we praise the Disney ones for being super thorough. This is a good one. It's a good thorough one. It's just definitely a long one. Absolutely. And this is one that you kind of get that whole story and you get that buildup as you're waiting in the queue for the attraction. I know we've talked in a lot of other episodes about the screens while you're waiting for the attractions that at most of the roller coasters in the park are going to be playing Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> but here at the Justice League, while you are in the Hall of Justice, your screens are going to be briefing you on the situation that you are going to be embarking on as one of the Justice League reserve team. So definitely pay attention to all the videos here. It enhances the experience in the attraction and actually gives you a little bit of tips of which things to kind of aim for what you're blasting with your stun gun. But note that it is on loop. So if you get stuck in line for a while, you might end up seeing the same thing over again. So just as a heads up, if you do start seeing something and say, wait a minute, I thought we already saw this. It's very possible you did already see that in some of those longer queue days. You may hear the Joker call Lex Luthor Lex Luthor more than once, so just be, <laughs> be prepared for that. Now, a couple other things I did want to mention as fun facts about this ride. Matthew, we've been talking this season about some awards for Six Flags attractions, and one thing to note for the Justice League Battle for Metropolis, in 2018, the ride received the T-H-E-A, or Thea, Award for Outstanding Achievement for Theme Park Attractions. So that's kind of the one little gold star that this attraction does have in the world of attraction awards. Was that at this specific version, or was this like one of the original versions at one of the other parks? This was this specific Six Flags Over Georgia version? So my understanding from where I looked it up, it is the attraction design. Okay. The fact that this is essentially a copy and paste attraction across six parks, and then you have the one that's a little bit different at Six Flags Magic Mountain that we discussed. I don't think it was for a specific location, but rather the ride itself in terms of a design for an attraction. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Now, Matthew, to kind of close out our fun facts, for those of y'all that have listened to some of our episodes from our season on the Magic Kingdom, you know that I love voice actors behind rides, and I love to know what other work they have done and kind of match those voices up in my head. We have several voice actors for several iconic DC comics characters that are involved in this ride. And Matthew, I kind of wanted to run down the list and talk about some of these voice actors and just shout out some of the other work that they've done. Sounds good. And before we get into this, Matthew, I know there are going to be some things that I think you will not expect that are going to really surprise and maybe even, dare I say, thrill or titillate you. Well, now I'm on the edge of my chair. Don't keep me waiting. I've got to know before we go in this, are you aware of any voice actors that are involved in this ride? I feel like I've read something previous, but nothing's coming to the top of my head. So when you start talking about it, some of the names might sound familiar, but nothing right away. Well, this is wonderful. We are going to build suspense. I am going to end with what I think will be most exciting to you. So you can, you know, kind of have that in the back of your head. Get ready. Be waiting on that. To start us off, Superman main DC comic character, aside from potentially Batman. 
Our Superman is voiced by Sam Daly. Sam has also voiced Superman in a number of animated projects, including the 2013 animated film Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox. I mention this specifically because I have not consumed a lot of the animated DC content. I don't know if you remember, but we watched this movie back in college. Oh gosh, nope, I do not remember this either. I told you my memory is shot. (laughs) So let me see if I can jog your memory. This is the version of Superman that in this Flashpoint paradox, he gets like locked up for an extended period of time. So he's like an emaciated, malnourished Superman when they find him. All right, you're not jogging any memories, but this sounds like a classic (laughs) Flashpoint line. That sounds about right. I was just going through and I saw the picture of that Superman and I was like, wait, I think I think we've watched this. And I went and looked (laughs) up the trailer and I was like, we've totally seen this. So shout out to our college roommate, Shirag, for hooking us up and having us watch this, because now I know a voice that Sam has done outside of this attraction. So that was cool. Our next big iconic character, Batman, is voiced by Kevin Conroy. Kevin has done a number of Batman voices and other projects as well, including animated projects and video games. Most notably in his video game roster, he provided the voice for Batman in Batman Arkham City from 2011. Yeah, I was about to say, that name sounds familiar. I believe he passed away only a few years ago, so may he rest in peace. You know, he is one of the iconic Batman voices. He has done several, several Batman voices across several different video games and animated projects. So he was a big voice actor to pull for this attraction to voice such an iconic character, for sure. Next up on the roster is our voice of Wonder Woman, which is Susan Eisenberg. Now, she has provided a number of voices in the video game Skyrim. She has been a ton of characters in that video game. Not any specific named characters that I remember, but it was like a list of over 20 different characters in the Skyrim video game. And one that I remember very well from my childhood, we all know I'm a big Star Wars fan. She actually provided the voice of Jedi Shakti in Star Wars The Force Unleashed. Interesting. Next up, we have the voice of both Green Lantern and The Flash. It's the same voice actor for both superheroes on this attraction, and they are voiced by Josh Keaton. Josh has a couple of credits to his name that are quite noteworthy. He has a number of different credits, but some that really stood out to me. I can't let you give me any spoilers, because unfortunately, I have still not seen this film, but he voices Spectacular Spider-Man in the 2023 Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That's where I recognize that name from. Okay, I was about to say, that name sounds familiar. Okay, now I know. Throwing it back to our childhood, he voices young Hercules in the animated Disney film Hercules, which, if y'all are sleeping on that film, you gotta watch it. It's a good one. It's one of my (laughs) favorites from Disney childhood, so that's that's a good one to check out. And one other kind of video game universe reference that I wanted to bring to your attention, Matthew, One bigger role that he has is the junk dealer in the 2019 game Death Stranding. Okay, but to voice both the Flash and Hal Jordan, you know, Green Lantern, that's interesting. 
he really uh, pulled out the vocal guns to yeah, get two starring roles in this attraction. You think they just forgot that they were like, oh, crap, we forgot about uh, the Green Lantern. Uh, hey, while you're here, just go ahead and voice both. Yeah, they got them all in the studio and they were like, are we missing somebody? And then looked at the roster and they were like, <laughs> oh, no. Next up on our list is going to be the voice of Supergirl, who is Nicole Tom. She has voiced Supergirl in a number of other animated projects, so this was kind of another big pull in terms of keeping character continuity within multiple different DC projects. We also have the voice of Cyborg, who is Bumper Robinson. Fun thing about Bumper, in addition to voicing Cyborg in some different projects, he also crosses universes, jumping over to the Marvel Universe, voicing Falcon in a number of video games and animated projects from Marvel. There's definitely a lot more crossover when it comes to the animated world, for sure. A hundred percent. Kind of like we were talking about before with Josh Keaton, who also voiced Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. It's fun to see kind of the crossovers between DC and Marvel we see with a lot of these voice actors. One also little minor thing that I wanted to mention about Bumper Robinson as a voice, probably nobody else cares about this. I care about this because I thought it was funny and I immediately knew what they were talking about. Matthew, have you seen the 2003 Disney film Brother Bear? Okay, I'm going to be honest and I'm not pulling your leg. Kendra and I watched this movie three days ago. Incredible. Absolutely unplanned. We just had a movie night and just chose Brother Bear. And I love that movie. And she had never seen it. And that is crazy that you bring it up. This is insane. I feel like I'm in a simulation. <laughs> well, Matthew, I'm glad that you did your homework. And I'm glad you watched it so recently because I'm hoping that you're going to remember this little part of the movie. Do you remember when Kenai and he's like coming to terms with all of a sudden, spoiler alert, being a bear and realizing that he's a bear and he's like trying to figure all that out? And he comes across these two little chipmunks that are arguing about stuff. And then he realizes he can understand what they're saying. Yep. They're arguing about a nut that's in one of the guy's chipmunk's mouth. And the other one's saying, you know, where's the nut? And he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Matthew, the voice of those chipmunks is none other than Bumper Robinson, the voice of Cyborg. Wow. <laughs> wow. Really tying it all together. This is definitely a simulation. I just thought that was a great credit. That really cracked me up because instantly when i read it i was like i know exactly what they're talking about that's perfect well what a what a happy coincidence that you did your homework for for this episode without without even knowing the assignment i love it it's great <laughs> well matthew that is gonna do it for our voice actors for our superheroes on this attraction but we gotta end it big we are gonna talk about our two villains next so I mentioned them earlier, starting off with Lex Luthor, we have Fred Tatashur. He has a number of voice acting roles. I'm talking a very, very, very long list of credits that I spent a long time reading and had a few things to highlights that really stood out to me. When we're talking about Six Flags, we always talk about Looney Tunes. It's a property in the park. It's a property that we see on the screens and the other attractions. And Fred has voiced both Yosemite Sam and the Tasmanian Devil in a number of Looney Tunes properties. To name a few properties that are 
very pop culture, but depending on the circles you run in, might be kind of obscure. He's got some voices in the Kung Fu Panda universe, Matthew. Fantastic. In the theatric releases for Kung Fu Panda 2, he is Panda Dad. Oh, wow. Okay. And then Kung Fu Panda did a children's television series, Kung Fu Panda Legends of Awesomeness, and he voiced Master Shifu for the run of that animated show. Oh, man. These are some deep cuts. You're diving in. Now, Matthew, one that is not a deep cut that I know is very near and dear to our hearts. What if I tell you he voiced somebody in both the TV show and movie Barnyard? Oh, why did I know it was on the tip of your tongue? (laughs) I felt it coming. So for those of y'all out there, if you haven't seen Barnyard, quality movie. And then back at the Barnyard, the TV show, great kids show. Matthew, Fred voices the The farmer. farmer. I was about to say, he has to voice the farmer. (laughs) You nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, he voices the farmer in both of those properties. Yep, 100%. Now, there is a little obscure reference that... I want to mention that is a joke that we talk about very frequently. This is a family-friendly podcast. For a moment, I'm going to reference not a particularly family-friendly show, but still keeping everything family-friendly. Got it. Which it's ironic that this is not a family-friendly show, because Matthew, we're talking about Family Guy. One of the most iconic jokes in the Family Guy universe to me. Matthew, he voices a Parker Fennelly. But you may not recognize that name. But what if I were to tell you Pepperidge Farm remembers? Oh, Pepperidge <laughs> Farm. Okay. He's the Pepperidge Farm guy and family guy. Pepperidge Farm remembers. That's so funny. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say Big Well when you were talking about a reference. Man, if he was Big Well, man, he would have got me. Man, I wish it was Big Well. I wouldn't be able to hold that back. We, I would have come right out the gates with saying we're going to be talking about Big Well. <laughs> Just a couple other references that I want to mention because I think it's fun. Matthew, there's a video game that I know that you really like. He voices a Wombus Trouble Ham in the video game Bug Snacks. Wombus. Love that. I'm a big fan of the TV show Regular Show. He voices Muscle Dad on Regular Show, which for those of y'all that know, you know, good old Muscle Dad. Bringing it back to a theme park reference, a ride that we've actually discussed on the podcast previously in our Thunder Mountain episode, Fred actually provides the voice for some of the bears in big Grizzly Mountain runaway mine cars at Hong Kong Disneyland. So he's got another little fun theme park tie-in that I thought would be fun to throw back to something that we discussed. Well, Matthew, I've saved the best for last. We're talking about the Joker. Do you know who voices the Joker for this attraction? Because, Matthew, when I tell you the name, you're going to know immediately who I'm talking about. Tom Kenny. That would be quite awesome. But no, it is not Tom Kenny, but it is a voice actor of the highest caliber, just like Tom Kenny. That's all I got. I'm talking about Troy Baker. Wow. Okay. I don't know why I didn't think of that. If I'm not mistaken, Troy Baker voices the Joker in all the Arkham series as well. So that makes plenty of sense. Other big pulls from the video game universe. I'm sure a lot of our listeners, if you're, you know, gamers, like we mentioned before, this episode is for the gamers. (laughs) He voices Joel in The Last of Us video game. He also voices Samuel Drake in the Uncharted video game series. 
He also has a number of other credits across other big-name video games, including God of War, Death Stranding, Silent Hill, Star Wars The Old Republic, and even Fortnite. So he's got a huge number of voices across a number of big-name video game franchises. I gotta tie it back to this again, since we were just talking about it before. He voices some characters in the regular show, and not just any characters. He voices Maximum Glove and, you heard it here, folks, Clorgbane the Destroyer, if you know, you know. Oh, gosh. And for any anime fans out there, he has an extensive anime career, too, that I hadn't realized. He voices Excalibur and Soul Eater. He voices a number of characters in the Naruto universe, and uh, he even voices Helmeppo in One Piece. So a lot of names across a lot of anime franchises, but I couldn't believe I didn't know it was Troy Baker. Troy's range is insane. He's one of those voice actors that he can do a lot of inflections. A lot of voice actors do their voice across the board, and it's very slight differentiations of their voice. Troy is one of those that really can put on many a character, and it shows. And that I am not surprised that he plays the Joker, but I did not know that. So that's really interesting. Yeah, he's got incredible range. He's a great voice actor, really brings it for this performance of the Joker. So that was a really fun little thing to note about the attraction that I never recognized before. Heck yeah. I do just want to tie up our voice actor section by also saying I didn't name all the things, but one thing that I thought was a really common trend, pretty much every voice actor for this ride has worked extensively on Ben 10 TV shows. So there have been several different iterations of like Ben 10 stuff from Cartoon Network. Everybody here pretty much worked on Ben 10, which was just a fun little sub fact I wanted to throw out there. So that's so funny. Whole side. That's note. so funny. And Matthew, one final fun fact I have about this ride. Again, we've said it before. We'll say it again. I'm a big movie buff, big movie fan. There is a movie reference in this attraction that is not a DC movie reference. I'm actually talking about the movie The Princess Bride. There is a desk in the ride that has a coffee mug on it. And it's a coffee mug with the name tag for Inigo Montoya that says, you killed my father, prepare to die. So there's that little Princess Bride reference sprinkled into specifically the Six Flags Over Georgia attraction. So I thought that was kind of a a fun little thing that was hidden in there. That's neat. Bringing it back to the Six Flags Over Georgia attraction, Matthew, I do want to take some time to talk about our experiences with riding this ride. As I mentioned before, we went several times during the 2017 season, the opening season for this attraction at the parks. I happened to take pictures of our scores on the ride several times that we went. Matthew, do you have any recollection of how we would kind of stack up with our with our numbers? I just know I probably won. That's all I can remember. So unfortunately, you're <laughs> right. You were winning most of the times that we went. I will put the stipulation on the fact that some of the times that we went, I was filming. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't paying attention. You know, you can see that firsthand now that I've got the film on our YouTube channel. Go on over to our YouTube channel. Check out our ride video for Justice League Battle for Metropolis. And you can see the pitiful poor score that I had while trying to focus on filming this (laughs) ride. (laughs) Specifically, my score was like 49,500. Matthew, I think on that version, you had scored 118,886. 
you were in the top 30% at that time for the ride scores. Man. During that season that we were going together, I had gotten as high as 98,200. But I went back in 2022. I got better. I got up to 171,500. And it told me I was in the top 1% of all time. So, you know, kind of a kind of a big deal. Now, the question is, is it all time? Because from my recollection, I thought it was the number for that day. Look, it clearly says in text top 1% of all time. Okay. Now, the fact that it's ranked for your vehicle by the day, you're not going to drag me down. I have the picture (laughs) of the text that says all time. So that's what I'm going with. All right, we'll take it. We'll accept it. But no, you're 100% right. It ranks you in your vehicle and then by the day that you're that you're there. And it has nothing to do with the fact that the park was dead on that day. It has only to do with my <laughs> skill. I believe it. Matthew, one kind of fun thing I did want to point out about your scores specifically. So I mentioned your top score from that season that we were going was 118,886. Kind of weird that it ends in a six, right? Correct. That's strange. Well, I did a little digging on this because I thought that was kind of weird. And there is an interview from the channel Coaster Addict where they go through and interview communications manager for the park, Gene Petrello. And during that interview, he actually mentions, in addition to the fact that there are apparently 600 targets throughout the attraction, which is quite a lot of targets to be shooting at. A single one of those 600 targets is a special target that actually allows your score to end in six as a reference for six flags if you hit that secret target. Now, in terms of what that secret target is, of course, he didn't disclose that. I couldn't find it anywhere on the internet. I'm not sure what that secret target is, but we have definitive proof that Q42 has hit that secret target. So that's pretty cool. And you might be saying, Matthew, why don't you tell us what it is? I'm not going to. You're going to have to find it yourself. I I know what it was, and I'm just not going to tell you. I I feel like this is the moment that we insert that Hobbit meme. All right, then keep your secrets. (laughs) But Matthew, that was kind of a rundown of like thinking about purely from the numbers perspective of writing this ride. Were there any stories that you can think of that you wanted to share from when we were going on that attraction together during uh, the 2017 season? Uh, No, I can't really think of anything. I do remember having a good time. The queue, again, has its moments, especially that first season where it could be a little backed up and it got a little crazy. So the only thing that I want to mention about the ride that I do remember is the animatronic cyborg. I don't know if you found anything interesting about that in your research, but that was always a really cool thing for me is, you know, you're going around those corners, you're waiting in the queue, and then to see that before you board and you see this huge animatronic we've talked about we both love animatronics that was always stood out to me so i I do want to give an awesome nod to that because that was always a cool piece absolutely the cyborg animatronic and even that joker animatronic even though less complex but that one when you enter the ride i always thought both of those were really cool i'm a big animatronics fan i did look for some additional history about these animatronics and other than the fact that they were produced by sally corporation not a whole lot of history there I did think it was fun to see that the cyborg animatronic was a part of the original attraction in the Warner Brothers movie land in Australia. So that animatronic specifically got carried over from that attraction in terms of design. But 
not a whole lot other history that I could find online. Gotcha. Well, Matthew, before you take us out of this episode, I do want to talk about some ride tips. As we know on the Q for Two podcast, we always talk about ride tips and specifically for all of our gamers out there, when you're dealing with an attraction with scores, we're going to try to give you a little bit of tips on how to get that high score. So I do have some tips here to share. We mentioned before, there's over 600 targets in the attraction. Pay attention while you're going through the queue. You'll find some hints on the different types of targets and associated point values that you'll get with going to those targets. We mentioned earlier that the attraction will equip you with a stun gun. It is important to remember that it is a stun gun. So any individuals that you are shooting at during the attraction, you only stun them. So you can actually continue to shoot at the same target and continue to get points from that target during the attraction, which is something I never thought about and I didn't know. So that is an important thing to keep in mind because sometimes it can be kind of hard to find where your like laser pointer is for your gun. So once you find it in that spot, if you find a good target, just keep lighting it up and it should keep raising your point value. That's interesting to know. A couple of specific targets to look for. On the first screen you come to, look over on the left side of the screen and start lighting up the orange jumpsuit guy on the left. There is another one that's going to come out of a door that has a jetpack. Go ahead and get him before he takes to the sky and just keep lighting him up because he is a high value point target. And so just focus on him while you're there on that first screen. When you get in the room with the Joker animatronic, shoot at the green canisters that are around the Joker's vehicle. Matthew, I didn't know this. There are point values for all those green canisters. You can get a whopping 2,500 points with each green canister hit. So take in the Joker animatronic, enjoy it, but be lighting up those green cans because you're going to get some extra points for for shooting at those. Always got to shoot at the barrels and canisters. Come on, man. Classic video game. Got to shoot at the canisters, blow them up. Whatever happens, happens. You got to go for it. Now, don't shoot at the barrels for that shelf that like kind of falls on you during the attraction because those aren't worth anything but you know you might get hit by those barrels so be careful out there justice league reserve team recruits as you continue to go through the attraction when you get to the cyborg section don't focus on the lex bots instead focus on cyborg's screens You're going to see him with a panel of different screens, some of which begin to light up red. Shoot the red screens to turn them green. Other screens will continue to turn red. Once you shoot all of them and turn them all green, they will turn blue and the Lexbots will actually change color. Then start shooting at the Lexbots and aim for the Lexbots further in the background for the maximum scores. When you're on the screen with the Justice League, when they're imprisoned and you're working on freeing them, there are two big targets to shoot for here. There are big mechanical arms at the left and right side of the screen, and then there are cases of kryptonite, two specifically on the left and the right. Shoot at the kryptonite, shoot at the arms. Those are going to be your big value targets. If you shoot at the arms and deactivate them three times in a row, It'll actually pop up a special target on the arm that you can get for even more points. And lastly, just as you're going into the attraction, in general, shoot at the characters further in the back if you can hit them. You're going to get higher value points, and you can just keep hitting the same character over and over again and rack up some additional points too. 
Overall, that's the tips I have to try to get the highest score you can. I am certainly excited to try these strategies the next time I go to the park, because straight up, I did not know a lot of these when I rode last time. So I'm hoping I can get that 171,000 up a bit more, but we're going to see. Matthew, are there any tips that you had for this attraction? I don't have any other tips. I did have a question. Did you see what the max score possible was? Do they have a max score? Apparently, it is possible to get to 999,999. Good gosh. But from what I've seen, it is incredibly difficult to do that. Most of the people that I saw that kind of were working with these tricks, it's more attainable to get in the 300 to 400,000 range, but there are an elite few that hit that max. So if you go to Six Flags, there's not a long line for this attraction. Buckle up, Justice League Reserve team, and get in there and practice, because apparently it is possible to max out the score. Well, that cue went faster than expected. We hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new about this wonderful ride. As always, we'd love to hear your experiences with the attraction or any fun facts you have. Feel free to join our Discord server and join the conversation, or shout at us on Twitter or Instagram, at q for 2 That's Q-U-E-U-E underscore F-O-R underscore T-W-O. Q for two. You can also drop a comment on our YouTube channel. All the links can be found in the episode description below. Now, go catch that ride, and we'll see you in the next Q for two. (laughs) It's a gas. Because that's what the Joker said. I got you. It sounded like it's a me, Mario. It's a me, a Joker. (laughs) Ha ha.